Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about how do you see yourself. Years ago, it was years ago, I don't remember how many years ago in Chosen, I think it was a Chosen, I used a mirror to illustrate what our earthly mirror says compared to what the Word of God says. And the Bible says that the Word is our mirror. Lately, the Lord has resurrected that in me in some very powerful ways to the point where he has mandated me to see myself in one way and one way only, and it's through this book, not through my natural mirror. So we're going to do some exercises today, and we're going to determine how do you see yourself? Because how you see yourself is how you think, and how you think is how you behave, and how you behave determines your outcome. So you can see how important it is that you establish a firm foundation, an identity that is born in one way, and it is this way, through the Bible. So first of all, I want to establish to you that the Word of God is our mirror and the mirror through which we should see ourselves. And then we're just going to do some exercises. Don't worry, I'm not going to call you up here, I don't think. It could happen, though. You know, I just never know exactly what I'll do. 2 Corinthians 3.18, this is one of my foundation scriptures. I share it all the time. Now, remember when Moses came down from Sinai after receiving the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, you might recall that his face shone with the glory of God. But there was a problem with that. It was an old covenant, and the glory would fade, and the people couldn't behold the glory of God because they were still under the law. And so when he came off Sinai, glowing with the glory of God, he had to cover his face. But in the New Covenant, the New Testament, our faces don't have to be covered anymore. Because, here's why, we are supposed to be a reflection of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's his presence, his goodness, his love, all that he is, is the glory of God. It's not just things, things are going to fade away, but it's the very presence of God. The presence of God should bring comfort. I have a lot of people over. And I will very frequently, more often than not, have people say, I feel such peace here. What is that? It's the shalom. It is the presence of God. And so this should be our one and only goal. And so 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, and all of us, how many? So is God a respecter of people? No. Does he show partiality? No. Who's all? Who gets to be all? Those who choose to be. And all of us with an unveiled face. Because we continued, that's a flow. It's our lives. We continued. It's something we do all the time. To behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. 
And we are constantly being transfigured into his very image, his very own image, in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this should be our one and only mirror. This should be our identity because the word is Christ. And we just have the privilege of being able to hold in our hands and read the word who is Jesus. Remember in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. In James 1, 22 through 25, I'm going to tell you a lot of stories today because I've listed 15 things of what this mirror spoke to me and how I had to learn to not look into this mirror, but to look into this mirror to behold my true reflection. I'm going to go slow because I want you to hear me because I'm going to say these words I don't know if I've ever said before. Your life depends on it. Your life depends on it. I'm determined to not let the majority of life's experiences define me or defeat me. And so when I use examples, it's simply to teach and to, to illustrate or make alive to you the things I'm saying. It's not to expose or to get you to go, ah, or anything like that. But I will tell you, I mean, I learned a lot through my sister's journey with a disease, a demonic disease, and through her passing. And one thing I learned is that when you let the doctor's report be a stronger report to you than the word of God, I pretty much know the final outcome. Because I don't use the word dread very frequently. I don't like that word. But I will tell you, I dreaded with the capital D, capital R, capital E, A, D, E, D. All of the phone calls of the sobbing on the other end telling me what the doctor said. And I remember one of the last reports of what the doctor said. The doctor said, and I'm not bashing doctors, thank God for them. They're just reading facts. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're reading the fact. But this will trump and triumph the facts if you let it. But the, the bottom line is your belief has to be greater in this than in the financial report, the doctor's report, the judge's report, any report. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Your children's report, the report card. Isn't it a shame that from the time we start any kind of school, we have a report card? Now, I'm not knocking that. I understand the necessity of it. But that can define a child up into your teenage years and beyond. It can bring definition to you. Are you an A student or an F student? Are you an A student or an average student, a C student? But you know the old uh, saying, well, of course, I'm an Aggie, but there was an Aggie joke. What do you call an Aggie with a C average? Anybody know? Boss. <laughs> but one of the last reports that, that I ever heard her give was that the doctor said, the oncologist said, that when you are diagnosed with stage four, 
from the time of diagnosis to the time of death with treatment is an average of three to five years, and she passed just short of three years. When I heard her say that, I knew, and I immediately rebuttaled, but that's not the report of the Lord. The report of the Lord is with long life, I will satisfy you, Kathy. You're not satisfied. And you know what? There was no agreement with that. And listen, by then she was beaten down. Okay, I'm not. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Ever. I'm just telling you, we have to choose to let this behold as in a mirror the word of God. I was reading, I think it's Psalm 40, where it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him, the health of my countenance and my God. And of course, David was very discouraged and depressed when he wrote that. So he spoke to his soul, which he knew to do. And he asked his soul, why are you cast down? If you were here over the weekend, you know Casey did a powerful message on the soul. And if not, you can go back and and listen to the podcast. Everybody should hear it. But David spoke to his soul, his mind, his will, and his emotions and said, why are you cast down? Why are you disturbed within me? And then he said, he spoke to his soul. He said, hope in God, for I will again praise him, the health of my countenance. I thought, you know, I'm going to look up the Hebrew for health. I bet, it, I bet it could mean rafa or it could mean marpe, the Hebrew word for cure, but it didn't. That word health in that passage means the face of God. I will again praise him, the face of God. See, when you look into the face of God, which is the word of God, then praise breaks out. But if you look at your circumstances and you look at the bad reports, even the news, I mean, I don't watch the news. That doesn't mean I don't know what's going on in the country because all my friends make sure I do. (laughs) And that's fine. But, I mean, you want to get depressed? (laughs) James 1, 22 through 25, but be doers of the word. Obey the message and not merely a listener to it. Because here's what happens if you just listen to the word. You betray yourself into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word, so today, if you only listen to the word, without obeying it and being a doer of it, you are like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. He thoughtfully observes himself, and then he goes off, And promptly forgets what he looks like. How dumb is that? All right. I'm looking at, unfortunately, I have my glasses on. I'm looking at myself in this mirror. I can see I have medium eyes, brown eyes. I have reddish brown hair. And I have fairly full lips. I have on silver earrings. And um, there are, when I, I'll just take this down. And I am absolutely flawless. <laughs> so I'll put this down. And I get a phone call from someone I've never met. And Sandy, just, I want to be able to see you as I talk to you. What do you look like? Well, let's see. I have green eyes. I have a, a platinum blonde bob. 
I'm in my 40s. <laughs> See, I just described Pam. I took the mirror down, and I forgot what I looked like. That's what we do when we hear the word and we read the word and we don't do the word. We forget our reflection. So I'm going to do some exercises with you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know these scriptures. Let's just read verse 2. Now let's read verse 1. I appeal to you, brethren, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decision, a decisive dedication of your body, presenting all of your members and your faculties, your mind, will, and emotion, as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service and worship. It's the, in other words, it's the least you can do. It's to present yourself to God as a sacrifice. He gave his life for us. Now we give our life for him. Do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external and superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind so that you may prove, you want to know what the will of God is? The good, acceptable, perfect will of God. There's not three wills of God. There's one. The good, acceptable, perfect will of God. You've got to prove the will of God. How? By being transformed. By the renewal of your mind. Now, that Greek word is metamorpho, which is where we get more metamorphosis. It is from two Greek words, meta, to change after being with, and morpho, changing in form. So to be transformed means after I have been with the word, I am changed into the image I see reflected in this book. I know I'm going super slow. But I really want you to get this. So what, what, what mirror are you seeing yourself through? Are you seeing yourself through the mirror of failure and defeat and insecurity and rejection and inferiority and shame and blame and broke and lack and sick and emotionally disturbed? I was reading the other day a horrible statistic that over 55, I think it was 55 million Americans have been diagnosed with Mental illness. And that's those who go check it out. There are more suicides in youth today than ever before in history. I think we need to put on the alarm, don't you? Because it's sounding. It's sounding. I mean, quit hitting snooze. And start with you. Start with you. It all began... Then we're going to go to the mirror in the Garden of Eden, as you know. Because God created man in his image, and the image of God created he, him, male, and female created he, them. So both men and women were formed in the image of God. Man was created from the dust of the earth. And I, I love what the late Edwin Lewis Cole said. It was like a skippy peanut butter jar. And woman was fashioned organically from the rib of man, like China. Fine china, fine crystal. And we always tell our marriage group, so you ping her, and she's going to make noise. Right, ladies? Right, Lewis? Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God made. And Satan said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? 
Has God said? Well, he did. I was reading yesterday from the Hamash, which is written, which is uh, the translation are from the sages. And, and they would get together and they do what is called midrash. Or they would drash, not dash or bash the word. They would, they would all get together and they would read the Hebrew and they would give their interpretation and their translation of what it meant. And it's really fascinating to read this. But I was reading uh, what the sages said about the serpent and that he was indeed an upright creature. And we know that because when he was cursed, God said, from now on, you will eat the dust of the earth. And that you would bruise. This was the first prophecy in Genesis 3.15. It's known as the Proto-Evangel. And the Proto-Evangel says, you will bruise his heel, the seed of the woman, meaning Jesus. But he will crush your head. How many of you have ever bruised your heel? You're here. You're not dead. But if you get your head bashed in, it's fatal. The blow to Satan was fatal. At the cross, he was disarmed of power. Jesus paraded him through hell for three days. Made a public disgrace of him before all the demons. We read last week in Ephesians 6, 14. His only power are his strategies, lies, and deceptions. That's all he has. So what does he go after? This. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. This is what he goes after. And if he can get this, it's all he wants. Listen, it's not your faith that saved you. It's, your, it's grace. Faith is your response to grace. This word is grace. Faith is my response to grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. All right, are you following me? And so you know the story. So then Eve... Let the devil, after he stole her identity, she said, well, we can eat from every fruit of the trees of the garden except the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. That part was true. God has said. Now, remember, he said, has God said. Now, the minute you start listening to the devil, you're going to twist the word. He said, has God said. She said, God has said. We may not eat it, true, nor touch it. He didn't say they couldn't touch it. They could have touched it all they wanted. Or we'll die. But the serpent said, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the very day you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And you know the rest. She beheld the tree. She saw it was good for food. She said, why not? Because she listened to the strategies and the deceptions of the serpent who was more cunning than any beast of the field. Do you not think he's still cunning? That's why before it ever tells you in Ephesians 6 what the full armor of God is, it tells you why you're going to put it on. How many women, I'm talking to the women, you're, you're invited to dinner or a party. Let's say you're invited to a party. Now, come on, help me out. You call your friend who's invited to the same party, and what is the first question you're going to ask her? God, you girls are great. Have you ever heard a man do that? Does he call his guy friends, his bromance buddies, 
Hey, what are you wearing? No, he, he looks at the wife and he goes, what do you want me to wear? Or my husband just said, go pick it out. I mean, if I told him to wear his pajamas, he'd put them on. He doesn't care. <laughs> what are you wearing? And so the rest is history, our history. She took the fruit, ate it, gave it to her husband who was with her. Heard the whole thing. Disobeyed the command to tend garden, keep the garden. If you don't have a husband who tends guards and keeps your garden, you pray. You pray. So let's talk about mirrors. And I'm just going to be very raw and very vulnerable with you because I don't really care. You know, something really exciting about getting older is you just don't care anymore. <laughs> right. That's right. And, and you just, and just, I don't care if you see the real me. I don't have anything to hide because I'm hidden in Christ. So I used to be very, very insecure. Very, very insecure. I was um, probably one of the original latchkey kids. And I am not knocking moms who work at all. And in this generation, moms pretty much almost have to. But in that day, in the 1950s, it was rare for a mom with little ones to work full-time. And my mother did. I mean, from the day I was born, she worked full-time. She worked at San Antonio Savings. How many of you are young enough to remember San Antonio Savings? Not very many. And she worked there full-time. And I was left alone a great deal, great deal. And I remember being very, very lonely and very, very, very alone. And it bred, it wasn't any intention of my parents whatsoever. My parents were not born again. They didn't understand spiritual things at all. Now, today, I think there's a certain law, perhaps I've heard there is, that you can't leave a child under a certain age alone. But that wasn't the case. Is it 12 or is it, it's 12? Okay. Well, that, that, by then you've got some maturity on you. But I was, I was a little girl, and I can remember, and there were days that I, I stayed with my grandmother, and I can remember I would go in, and I would get a great big bowl of Knowlton's ice cream. Some of you remember Knowlton's. And I would pour Bosco. I know a lot of you are going, what is she talking about? I would pour Bosco. It's chocolate syrup. And horrible dyed red maraschino cherries and pecans and ready whip. Big old bowl. <laughs> and I would just eat it by myself. That's where comfort food comes from. Because I was trying to feed that insecurity. But it didn't work. I didn't give my heart to Jesus till I was 20 years old. By then... All those neural pathways were very formed. But as I looked, see, because this mirror said insecure. But I looked in this mirror and I read such verses as Psalm 18, 31 through 33. Who is God except the Lord and who is the rock save our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like hinds feet, able to stand firmly and make progress on the dangerous heights of testing and trouble. He sets me securely on my high places. 
Psalm 91, 14 through 16 says, He will set me securely on high because I have known his name. And as I looked in this mirror, I began to see a place, a settled place of security. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. I am probably one of the most secure people you will ever meet. Because this is my reflection. Not what people say. Not comparing how I look at my age with how you look at your age. Because this is my mirror now. I told you I wrote down 15 things. Number two, I felt very, very inadequate and not enough. I wasn't like all the other girls. I wasn't pretty. In the days of Cher Bono, who wore her hair split down the middle, down to here, she had that beautiful Indian type, gorgeous, straight hair. And my hair was very, 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 very curly. And a lot of other things about me that I'm not going to even go into that just made me feel very inadequate because I didn't compare with the other girls. I wasn't a cheerleader. I was never chosen to be on anybody's sports team in PE. I was only on a team by default. How did I know that? Because I was the last one. The team captains would pick their team. And nobody ever picked me. So I got on the team just because I was the leftover. And I felt very, very inadequate. But then I started reading this. This replaced this. And I read 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. Not that we are adequate of ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God who made us adequate as servants of the new covenant. And I received that word. And I looked in that word and I said, I am adequate. And I am secure. Amen. This mirror says, you're getting old. And if I look on the other side, that's magnified. But this mirror says, Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not one of all of his benefits. Verse 5, Who renews my youth like the eagles. I am strong overcoming and soaring. I was reading an article the other day about Eagles, it was so cool. It's something I knew, but it was such a refresher. You know why eagles aren't afraid of storms? Because the storm actually gives them what is called uplift. And they get under or above the power of the storm. And the storm, they don't even have to flap their wings and use energy. They just soar. And the wind carries them. The storm actually carries them. I think that's so cool. So this mirror told me my youth is renewed. And I'll tell you something else this mirror tells me. I think it's 1 Peter 2. I didn't write it down. It says, you have been regened by the Holy Spirit. Oh, my mother had it. Oh, my grandmother. Well, I've been regened. 
what my Bible says. That's what my mirror says. Number four, this natural mirror might say you are diseased or diseased. That's where all the mental illness comes from, disease. But this mirror, again, Psalm 103, verse 3, he heals how many? All of your diseases. And remember, he's talking to his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions. So that includes mental and emotional disease. That's what this mirror says, not some of them. It says all of your diseases. 1 Peter 2, 24, Jesus personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree so that we might die, cease to exist to sin, and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Not going to be, already have been. So faith accesses what grace has already provided. That's where your faith comes in. You see, grace says, by his wounds you have been healed. Faith takes hold of what's already been provided. Number five. You're not going to be here all day, don't worry. And we're early. This mirror said, you are ugly. I grew up thinking about how ugly I was. I told you last week the story when I stood in the Diana shop and that lady came in and just lauded the beauty of my little sister and she was very beautiful. There's no question about it. But you know, if I had stayed looking in that mirror, in this mirror, then I would have grown to resent her for her beauty. I mean, don't tell my other sisters, but I think she was the prettiest of all of us. But this mirror... Song of Solomon 4, 7. Oh, my love, you are altogether beautiful and fair. There is no flaw in you. That's what this mirror says. And I've chosen to look in this mirror. And you know, when I look in this mirror, I'm beautiful. There's nothing ugly about me. Because see, this mirror will lie to you every time. Number six, this mirror said, reject. I already told you, I was never chosen. But Colossians 3.12 says, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, even as Christ has forgiven you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of God be your umpire, settling with finality every question that arises in your mind in that peaceful state into which you were called in Christ Jesus. That's what this mirror says, that I am chosen and beloved of God. Ephesians 1, 6 says that I should live to the praise of his grace, which he made me accepted, not rejected in the beloved. Number seven, I was always at fault. I remember when I was in, eh, I want to say I was in middle school, but I could have been in ninth grade. I think I was in ninth grade. Yeah, I was in ninth grade. And back in those days, the teacher set you in alphabetical order. And my maiden name began with A. I was A, B. 
So guess who was always numero uno? And behind me, there was another person whose last name began with A. And one day, this was back in the days of 35 millimeter film. She handed me, and you know, it came in those little black, remember, some of you remember? I'm, I'm trying to educate you young people because <laughs> you need to know history. And the little cans, and the 35 millimeter film came in these cans, long before digital. And she handed me this little 35 millimeter thing. And I opened it, and it looked like oregano. And, but it was pot. Marijuana, that's marijuana. <laughs> Which, by the way, is still illegal in Texas. And so I said, well, was this oregano? And she said, no, it's pot. You can have it. Well, I thought that was cool. I wasn't going to smoke it. And to this day, I've never, I've never smoked, smoked, <laughs> never smoked pot. I've never taken an illegal drug in my whole life. And don't plan to. I do not have an addictive personality. And I don't like being out of control, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> I remember years and years, years ago, a couple of decades, a couple of decades ago, I had a DNC. And um, the uh, gynecologist came in right before the procedure, and she said, are you nervous? I said, well, I'm nervous about the anesthesia. And I remember she looked at me, and she goes, it's because you won't be in control. She was right. And so anyway, I put this little canister in my, I still remember it was a, a light gray suitcase handbag. It looked like a little suitcase. Remember, yeah, I see some of you. We had everybody lined up today from the youngest to the oldest, so I should have just kept everybody up there and talked to this crowd. And so next thing I know, I didn't know my dad was checking my purse every day. And he came in and he said, what's this? And I told him the truth. And he called the narcotic agents. And they came to my house in a marked car and in suits. And they wanted me to tell them everybody I knew at school that was involved in drugs because they were going after the drug dealers. Now, today I realize, I mean, that kind of put my life in danger, but oh well. But oh, I just remember feeling so condemned. And I grew up that way. I grew up feeling at fault that I was the blame for everything. And that's what the natural mirror told me. But you know what this mirror told me? Ephesians 1.4. He chose you in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without fault in his sight. Colossians 1.20. Christ has reconciled you Siled you to God in the body of his flesh through death in order to present you holy and faultless and irreproachable in the Father's presence. You see, Jesus finds no fault in me. And this mirror calls me faultless. And so I am. I was depressed and discouraged all the time. But this mirror... I read one day, Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life and be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come, 
and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And when I read what this mirror says, I realized he was calling me upward, not downward. Depression calls you downward. The voice of depression and despair and discouragement is always causing you to look down. But God is causing us to look up. You know what? If you can't do anything else, go outside and look at the sky and see how vast and beautiful and endless it is. And realize that our Father made that. And He's called us. And in Ephesians 1, 6, He says, You're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are seated far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name, name not only in this age but in the one to come. And depression has no place in my life. None whatsoever. But Sandy, I can't help but put on a garment of praise. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Isaiah 61 commands it. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I'm too depressed to praise. Put on music. Put on praise music. Your cells will hear it. Listen, there's no excuse. I don't take excuses. Jesus doesn't take excuses. Romans 15, 13. May the God of your hope, you see depression steals your hope. May the God of your hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, love this, you may be bubbling over with hope. I love that. That is so cool. Number nine, I was ashamed because there was a lot of shame on me. A lot of shame on me. I mean, can you imagine? Why not? The shame message says there's something's, something's wrong with me. I'm not enough. Well, I just described to you. I was insecure, inadequate, d- diseased, unattractive, rejected, at fault, depressed, and discouraged. Well, that's enough for you to get depressed about and have shame on you. But you know what? I read this mirror and this one, this one scripture gave me the reflection I needed. Romans 10, 11. No man who believes in him will ever be put to shame. Will ever be put to shame. And so with an unveiled face, I behold as in the word of God, my mirror, the glory of the Lord. And I'm transfigured into his image. That word transform, metamorpho, is the same word used when Jesus was transfigured on the mount. And the disciples saw Elijah and Moses And they wanted to build booths for them. And they said, let us just stay here. It's good for us. And the voice of the Father came from heaven. He said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. He's your reflection. He's your mirror. I felt abandoned and alone. So I'll tell tell on my husband. I've told you this story many times. But I came back to the United States from Germany in 1971 after I graduated from high school. I lived with my grandmother, my grandfather, for my freshman year. I went to San Antonio College. And um, over the summer, my parents wanted to see me, so I didn't want to go, but didn't have a choice. And I went back to, to Europe to spend the summer. And Randy and I were dating. We were serious. We were talking marriage, you know, the whole bit. And... You're going to hear the story again because it's part of my life. It's part of my story. And I came back to the United States at the end of the summer. I was going to Texas A&M. I already had been accepted, had a roommate, had a dorm, you name it. My childhood friend was my roommate and one of my childhood friends, I should say. 
And when I got back, I immediately knew things were different. He took me to our favorite restaurant, which was a little restaurant named Sammy's. It was over by the Whitty Museum off of Broadway. And you go in, I think I recently told you this, and it had the Chianti bottles with the wax, you know, the colored wax melting down. And, and I said, what's wrong? And well, I, remember I, he met my nightmare, five foot two, blue eyed blonde. And this mirror said five foot two, eyes are blue, but oh, what those five feet can do. You young people, look it up. It's still on. It's a terrible song. And so I believe this mirror, that if I were five foot two with blue eyes and blonde hair, I would have no problems and everybody would love me. And I always ask, I love to ask the question, are there any five foot two blue eyed blondes in the audience at all? Anybody? There are usually some. I don't have one five foot two blue eyed blonde. Oh, okay, here we have, yay. Do you have a perfect life? No. I mean, Olivia, you're one of the most gorgeous girls in the world. I know you're not five foot two. You're blue eyes, right? You're a gorgeous blue eyed blonde. Do you have a perfect life? No. See, that was a lie. That was the mirror of the world and not the mirror of the word. But this was a five foot two blue eyed blonde and my husband was enamored with her and he broke up with me. So I was abandoned and alone at 18 years old. And I remember I already had this from my childhood. So I go to A&M. My roommate immediately moves in with her boyfriend. And you didn't even do that in those days. Nowadays, everyone brags about it. But in those days, you didn't do that. And I was completely alone. I had no friends, nobody. Lost 10 pounds because I didn't want to eat alone because that meant I was alone and that meant I was rejected and that meant I was abandoned. That meant I was insecure and that meant I was inadequate and that meant I was unattractive and that meant I was rejected and that meant I was depressed. Can you see the cycle? The cycle when you believe this? And so I would go to the cafeteria in the morning and have a plate of eggs because everybody ate alone in the morning because you had to get to class. And at night, I would go to the snack machine and buy a package of peanut butter crackers and a Coke. Now, if you want to lose weight really fast, you can do that. I lost 10 pounds. And I was alone. And I was abandoned. And I wasn't saved. But everything I knew about God, I prayed. You see, he'll meet you right where you are. You don't have to have the whole book in you. We've already seen that creation testifies. And I believed what I knew. I believed there was a Jesus. I believed there was a Father. I believed there was a Holy Spirit. I never received him, but I believed in the existence. And I prayed the only way I knew to pray, which was unbelief, but it's all I knew. And you know what the Father did? He met me right where I was. Because this little five foot two blue eyed blonde and all oh, what those five feet can do. I mean, she was beautiful. She really was. Had a believing, praying mother. And the Holy Spirit told that mother, he belongs to somebody else, not you. And she went to him. She said, my mother said, you belong to somebody else, 
not to me. And my husband was a Christian, but he was backslidden. I brought him back to the Lord. <laughs> True story. And then I looked in this mirror. And I read this little verse that you probably all know. And I really think you could say it with me. It's in Hebrews 13. And it says, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And that mirror identified me that I wasn't alone. Even when I felt like I was. And this mirror, because of all I went through, said I was unstable. And I was a needy girl. I always tell my grandsons, don't hang out with needy girls. Now, come on, needy girls are horrible girls. Needy girls are mean girls. Needy girls are energy vampires. If your daughter is a needy girl, get her help. Now, I'm not saying we all have needs. We all have needs. I'm not saying that. You know what I'm talking about. The majority of this audience is women, and you know what I'm talking about. It's a girl that tries to get her identity and her worth and her security and her power from some guy. No good. It's no bueno. It's not going to work. Jesus is the only one to fill our needs. And I was a needy girl. And then I read Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. But the Amplified Classic says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will remain stable and fixed. And it's one of the first scriptures he ever gave me when I gave my heart to Jesus. And I have lived in that place ever since. And I'm just going to tell you right now, this is my mirror. I am stable. And if you've known me for a long time, and you're my friend. You will agree with that. I am stable. And all glory to God. Because I was very unstable. Very, very unstable. But because of him, I am stable. And if you're not, you pray Psalm 91 every day. Number 12, I stood guilty and accused. I talked to you about this last week. Everything was my fault. But I read Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no judging guilty of wrong. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I am not guilty because of Jesus. This mirror said guilty. Accused. This mirror says, I don't judge you guilty as I read earlier, without fault. And this was my hardest, the hardest thing that this mirror said to me. You're not safe. You're not safe. I meet so many people now that don't feel safe. And when you don't feel safe, it threatens your security. It threatens your identity. It threatens your worth. It threatens your health. It threatens your faith for your children and their future. And the enemy's always yelling, not safe, not safe, not safe. And you turn on the TV, not safe, not safe, not safe. And the news, not safe, not safe, not safe. And I firmly believe that no matter what happens on this earth, 
God has promised those who dwell in him a safe place. One of my hallmark verses is Isaiah 8, 13 and 14. And as I told you in my testimony, home was not a safe place for me. Home was an unsafe place for me. But my home now is my safest place. The Lord of hosts, regard him as holy and honor his holy name by regarding him as your only hope of safety. And let him be your fear and let him be your dread, lest you offend him by your fear of man and distrust of him. And I love this. And he will be a sanctuary, a sacred and indestructible asylum to those who reverently fear and trust in him. But he will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and a snare to those who don't. I took back my safety last year. I shared this with you. When the home I grew up in, when I, where I received so many beatings and tongue lashings and emotional crushing, before my dad was born again, again, I want to honor him. He was the kindest, sweetest, most loving man that ever lived after he became a new creation. He was. He was an honor to know, an honor to call my dad. But before he was born again, he was a very angry man because he had, he had had a horrific father. But you know what? Here's the point. He didn't stay there. I was defending someone one day who was had been just repeatedly acting up and I was defending because of the past before Christ and I'll never forget I was talking to Pam and she said well and you know Pam's very gentle most of the time until she acts like her mother and then she's not <laughs> I love your mother but she's she was a feisty lady and and uh, so I'm, I'm defending this person because of their history before Christ and Pam just gently said well let me ask you something how long do you get to stay there? How long is it okay? And I'm asking you, how long is it okay to live in this? How long is it okay? It's not okay. It's not okay. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things, all things have passed away. Behold... All things have become new. That's what's okay. I was fearful. Of course, if you're unsafe or feel unsafe, you're fearful. I feared being unwanted and abandoned. I feared being punished and accused. I feared being guilty and condemned. I feared being rejected, insecure and inadequate. I feared all those things I've listed. But then the mirror of the word said that God has not given me a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but a spirit of power, love that casts out fear and a sound mind. 1 John 4.18, perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. And let's face it, if you have fear, it's for one reason. You don't really believe God loves you. So get all the love scriptures. Meditate on those. It's the only way to overcome. And lastly, this mirror said... Anxious and worried. Well, why wouldn't an insecure, inadequate, getting old, diseased, unattractive, rejected, at fault, depressed, discouraged, ashamed, shame on me, abandoned, unstable, guilty, unsafe, and fearful person be anxious? Why wouldn't I be anxious? 
And then I read in the mirror the word, do not have any anxiety about anything. But in everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, just make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when you make your request known to God, John 14, 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. All the promises of God have yes stamped over them. I have a red stamper that says yes. And I've ruined, I mean, I brought a, a, a Bible that's not been well used because it's a translation I don't use often. But if I had brought my Bibles, my well-used Bibles, you would see yes in red, blood, red, stamped all over it. So here's my challenge to you today. What mirror do you see yourself in? Be honest. I want to challenge you to make a list like I did of what the natural mirror says to you. You might want to share this with your children or with a friend that's struggling. What does the natural mirror say to you? Who does the natural mirror say you are? Write it down and go to the word of God and find out what this mirror says to you and begin to see your reflection only in this mirror. How does it work? Well, I think I've told you, but I'm going to tell you again. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if I look in the natural mirror and I hear that voice, wow, you're not looking so good. I, I've already broken this bad habit, but when I, you know, when you go through old pictures, especially in the old days when you had all the Kodaks, and I, I heard myself saying, my goodness, I look so young. And one day, my granddaughter, Abigail, said to me, but Mimi, you were young. That's why I looked so young. But if I start feeling old, you know what I do? I don't just do it from memory, although I can. But the memory of yesterday's meal is not going to fill your belly today. The memory of last Thanksgiving is not going to fulfill you next week. I'll go and with my eyes, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Who renews my youth like the eagle. I am strong. I am overcoming. I am soaring. I am altogether lovely. There is no fault in me. Or you get a symptom in your body. Oh my God, what could it be? He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my guilt and my iniquities. The punishment I needed to obtain peace and well-being fell upon him. And by his wounds, I am healed. I live to righteousness. I die to sin. By his wounds, I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. But that's not what the other mirror says. That's what this mirror says. If you will learn to see your reflection through this, your life's going to change. I can promise you that. So, Father, I just pray that as they make their list, they will begin to see themselves one way only, the mirror of the Word of God. And as you have promised, they will be transformed into your image from glory to glory in Jesus' name. You will be transformed, transformed 
in the name of the Lord. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.